Amen. Thank you, guys. Thank you so much. You may be seated. Mm. How many people around here love Sundays? Love Sundays. Sundays are good. Best day of the week. Hey, I uh, just got some, some, some housekeeping things to do. Really, the first one is, you're talking about something breaking inside of you. If you've never done a missions trip before with us, um, you, you ought to consider this. And I know some of you are like eager for this because we haven't done this in years due to the season we've been in as a human race. Um, very recently, and I, we wouldn't throw this on you this quick, very recently, an opportunity landed in our lap to go to the Dominican Republic. And um, we are going to go July 27th, that's a Wednesday, through August 1st. And uh, we've, we found this incredible organization. They also partner with Compassion. You know, we're big with Compassion. Um, our, our vision is to actually uh, adopt, if you will, this entire village, turn it into a Compassion site where we allow folks from all over the, the world to come and sponsor children, and we ourselves sponsor needy children in this community. We're gonna build three pit latrines, restrooms, bathrooms, if you will, for them as a concrete slab, hole in the ground. This ain't, this ain't America. This is a different ballgame. Uh, they don't have running water. We're gonna really come in and, and do our best to bless these folks, and then we're gonna stay with them uh, for the long haul if God continues to open up this door. Uh, applications are due June 5th. Uh, take out your phone if you're interested at all scan that QR code and we will get you the applications and all of that I'm going to be going on that trip I'm really really excited and uh, would love to have you and by the way spots are limited we don't have a lot of spots for this trip because it's our first uh, trip so check that out uh, Memorial Day weekend is a week from uh, this weekend. And uh, why don't you bring some water to church, would you? Bring some water. It says bottled water, sports drinks, or sodas. I want to make a motion right now that we don't give soldiers sodas. Just saying. Uh, no, you can bring If you're a soda drinker, bring it on. Um, but bottled water, sports drinks, those kinds of things. Bring them to church next Sunday. We're partnering with an organization called United Service Organization. And uh, we will have collections out front. And we're going to bless uh, soldiers uh, this Memorial Day weekend. Uh, if you are interested in the Reveal Women's Ministry, that's a quarterly event. That's coming June 4th at 9 a.m. They gather here in the worship center. Lots of community, good food, message from God's word. Etc. It's an incredible opportunity. We also have camps. Last announcement. Camps are coming. Um, and now is the time to register. We have a kids camp into the deep. That will be right here. And then we have a student camp as well, uh, which is with my good friend uh, Clayton King, Crossroads Camps. Uh, parents, if you can, you want to get your kids to these camps. Uh, if you went to camps when you were a young person, you know they actually change kids' lives. We all have had, had those kinds of experiences at camps if we grew up around those. Hey, uh, do we have any uh, cheerful givers in the house? Just curious, cheerful givers? Yeah. Um, here's the offering talk this week. Um, you see all those things going on in our church, and they are done because you are generous and you so into the ministry of this church. Thank you so much. All kinds of ways to give, black boxes, all of that, and you are invited to be about that. If you're a guest here, don't worry about that. This is our gift to you. Okay, that was a short offering talk, wasn't it? Let everybody say praise the Lord. 
Hey, so we started a, hey, you know, I, I love the energy that I got in the room right now. I got to tell you that the last few weeks, I've kind of wondered where my first, first crowd was. Um, I, I, I just want to keep it real with you. Can I keep it real? Where, where, where's my nine o'clock crowd? Where's my nine o'clock crowd? All right, well, there you go. I, where's my balcony? Where's my balcony? Let me hear you up there. Uh, I got to tell you, last few weeks, like, yeah, it's been, it's been kind of quiet in this first crowd. Second crowd's been wide open. So I just wanted to kind of tell you who's winning. And um, you got to bring it. I know, I know it's early and you, some of you just went out of the house, barely got your coffee in you and you're still sleepy, but bring it. Bring it. We need energy up in here. Hey, so, la so last week we started a series called what? After Amen. And the whole premise of this series is that we, we've been told a lot about what to do before uh, we pray. We've been taught a lot about how to pray, but we have not been taught a lot about what to do after Amen. And uh, our staff can tell that just from last week alone, this series is going to be one uh, that's actually going to change the way our church thinks about prayer. And so I've extended the series. It goes on into June quite a bit. My good friend, Pastor Rusty George, who pastors Life Church out in the Los Angeles area, will be with us in two weeks. Uh, we're going to have his book in the Resource Center starting next week. The book is titled After Amen. It's an incredible book. And so we're working this sermon series in line with his book. And so I want you to pick that up next week if you can, and then he'll be here the following Sunday to sign that book if you would like. But what we're finding is, as we look in the Gospels and we follow in the footsteps of Jesus, that's why I love this series so much, because we're just going straight to the Gospels. When we look at the life of Jesus, we actually see that he teaches us a lot about what to do after amen. We had two takeaways from last week. By way of review, let's just hit those. Why don't you read it out loud with me? Really strong, go. God is faithful, not just while we wait, but while we work, come on, and our actions after amen quite often determine God's answers. And then the next thing we looked at, let's read it out loud, go. We work while we, again, we work while we wait. Last week after the, the worship celebration was over, several of you came up to me outside on the patio and you're like, man, Thank you for that. We're ready to go to work. But what if you, what if you want to go to work and you want to work in line with God's why and you want to do all that, but you just don't know what that means? I said, perfect. Come back next week because that is precisely what we're talking about. Today, we're going to talk about how we align with the why. How we do what? We align with the why. When you think about it, aligning to the why, we have to look no further than parenting. Those of you who are parents, you know exactly what I mean. Those of you who are going to be parents, get ready, because your kids will work you over. Your kids figure out real quickly how to align with your why. They figure out real quickly how to butter you up. Several months ago, I'm in the kitchen. Now, you guys know my story. I don't need to get into it. I, I was really lost before I was found. And, um, and so my son, my youngest, comes up to me in the kitchen. And he thinks he's all bad stuff. He's the dude who rides around in the golf cart in the parking lot. He, he looks down on dad now, looks down on me. He comes up to me in the kitchen, puts his arm around me, Mr. Kitchen, puts his arm around me, looks down on me, and says, you know what, dad? Or pops. You know what, pops? You, you should praise the Lord that none of your five children turned out like you did when you were a teenager. 
Well, somebody's like, one. No, not really, because I couldn't do anything but laugh, number one. Number two, he was right. I mean, y'all know my story. Praise God, we got five awesome kids. He was right, and, and then it was a few seconds before he goes, are still around me. Yo, Pops, I think it's time that we go look for that car. <laughs> are you kidding me? And, and here, here I, I, I got it for him. It's, it's my final car to buy for a kid. There he is. There he is. Now, in my family, in, in, in our family, it's dollar, dollar. I don't buy their cars outright. Whatever, every dollar they work for, I give them a dollar. So it's dollar, dollar. But, but Joshua knew, as all children tend to figure out, that if you want to get something from your mama or your daddy, lean into motives. <laughs> lean into their heart. Lean into what they are about, their priorities. That is exactly what we are talking about here. Motives and priorities, when we talk about, when we pray, we then need to align with the why. Again, straight to the Gospels. I love this series because we're going to keep going to the life of Jesus. If you look in Matthew 17, it's that famous passage where Jesus is up on top of the mountain of transfiguration. Some of you have been right here with me. It's an incredible mountain. And, and Jesus is up there on top of this unbelievable mountain. And he's sitting up there and he's hanging out with Peter, James, and John. And in this moment that scholars can't fully understand, it's a theophany is what we call it. Um, Elijah and Moses appears on the mountain. And what's really powerful about that is Elijah represents all the prophets in the Old Testament. Moses represents the law, the Ten Commandments. So everything that had come before, the totality of the Hebrew Bible, the prophets and the law was up on the mountain with Jesus, Peter, James, and John. Now Peter did what many of you would do. Peter wanted to capture the moment. Peter wanted to Hang out there for a little bit. Peter's like, Lord, can I build three tents so we can just stay up here for a while? Peter, talking about camps. Peter was like the kids at the camps. And when the last day of the camp rolls around, they just want to hold hands and sing friends are friends forever. Right? And so Peter says, let me pitch three tents so we can just hang in this magic moment. Look at what Jesus says, 17.5. Come on, you read so well earlier. Go. But even as he spoke, a bright cloud overshadowed them, and a voice from the cloud said, this is my dearly loved son who brings me great joy. Listen to him. In other words, God the Father interrupted Peter. Voice from heaven, theophany. Peter, put a shut to the up. We're not gonna build three tents. You are not about my father's business. You are not aligned with the why, Peter. In that moment, God communicates to Peter and the disciples their idea. Watch it, it's short term. Your idea is earthly, Peter. I'm thinking eternal. Look at where Jesus meets with Mary and Martha. You remember Luke chapter 10. Jesus is tired. He goes to the home of Mary and Martha. Jesus just, hey, it's okay for to say this is, Jesus just wanted to chill. He, he kind of came on a big mission, you know, you like, go save the world, Jesus. So he's tired. He goes to their home. He's wanting to just chill and relax. Mary and him are, are chilling. What is Martha doing? You remember the story? Martha's in there banging. She's cooking fried chicken. 
potato salad. She's sweating over it, and she comes out perturbed, and she tattletales on Mary. You know the story. And, and, and Jesus looks at her and says, Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. Martha, you got, you got the wrong idea in this moment. You're aligning with the wrong why. Yes, serving is important, but Mary's chosen better. She has decided to be in my presence. How about this? You remember when, you remember when the mother of James and John comes to Jesus and says, Jesus, we have this idea. <laughs> why don't you let my sons, one sit on your right and one sit on your left in the kingdom? Do you remember this? And Jesus says, you don't know what you are asking. Can you drink the cup I'm going to drink? We can, they answered. They had no idea. We can, they answered. Jesus said to them, you will indeed drink from my cup, but to sit at my right or my left is not for me to grant. In other words, in all of these instances, Jesus is saying, listen, you've got the kingdom part right, but you got the wrong type of kingdom. You got the wrong type of kingdom. It's not earthly. My kingdom is eternal. You're not aligned with my why. As a follower of Christ, a mature Christ follower, as you keep growing in your faith, you start to figure out, and I know I've discovered this the hard way, when my prayers fall flat, and I don't feel like they even get above the ceiling, and my spiritual life is dry, and I don't feel like I'm communicating with God and I, I really don't see his, his activity in my life like I desire, it is almost always because my motives are wrong. I'm aligned to the wrong why. Now we can look at passage after passage after passage today of these kinds of examples, but for the sake of time, let's move on. What is Jesus's why is the question you have to be asking right about now. What is Jesus's why? Write it in, take a picture, put it to memory. Here it is, number one. God's why is always to advance the kingdom of God. Say it with me. God's why is always to advance the kingdom of God. At the end of this service, we're gonna sing a song, a great old hymn, I Exalt Thee. Our church loves it. Now, don't miss this. When God finds a woman or a man or a child or a student and their ultimate desire above and beyond everything else to advance the kingdom of God, that is a person who is leaning into God's why. That is a person who is leaning into the motives of God. That is a person that God absolutely loves to bless. And in Luke 19, 10 and in Matthew 9, it's very clear what the advancement of God's kingdom is. is that Jesus said, I've come to seek and save that which was what? Lost. So we already see that the kingdom is all about reaching people. It's why our mission statement starts with the word reach. We have a tendency to focus on self, do we not? We have a tendency to focus on little K kingdom, earthly kingdom. God has a capital K kingdom. It is eternal. And to the extent to which, I'm just testifying personally, to the extent to which I keep my life focused on advancing his kingdom, 
with my service, with my attitude, with my behaviors, with my financial resources, to the extent to which I'm doing that, it's the extent to which I find my spiritual life is vibrant and God is active and moving in my life. It's you and me reaching a point where we say, Jesus, you are Lord. You know what the word Lord means? We, we, the Bible says Jesus is Lord and Savior. We know what Savior means, right? Died on a cross. Lord is, he is master. It's a person waking up daily to say, Jesus, you are my master. What you say for me to do, I will do. As you lead me, I will go. Everything in my life is to advance your kingdom. Let the church say amen. amen. Number two, number two. Sometimes God's why is to be generous rather than fair. <laughs> Sometimes God's why is to be what? Generous rather than? Talking about parenting. You guys ever, ever have, what the kids love that? And that's not fair. You give one kid something, that's not fair. I wanna give you a quote you can give. I've used this maybe hundreds of times with my kids. Listen, fairness ended in the garden. And you really don't want fair. Have you thought about this? I don't want fair. If I were to get fair, I would be dead in my sins, hell bound, right? But what's interesting about this, even as you look at Jesus's ministry, Jesus would quite often lean into generous rather than fair. You're like, give me an example. Go to Matthew chapter 20. Matthew chapter 20. Matthew chapter 20, Jesus tells this parable. It's a great parable, but can I just be honest with you? It bothers me. Jesus tells a parable, and it's about this landowner, and he's hiring day workers at $50 a day to work on the farm. $50 a day. And the start time was 8 a.m. So they come, they show up at 8 a.m., landowner puts them to work, promises them $50 at 5 p.m. Guess what happens at noon? Another group comes up, and, and, and the landowner hires them, but the workers don't know yet what they're gonna get. Guess what happens at 4? 4 p.m. When does the day end? 5 4 p.m., another group of workers show up. The landowner hires them. Pay time comes, 5 p.m. Jesus gives the workers who started at 8 a.m., what? $50. They deserved it. Good, 50. Noon, what does Jesus give them? $50. Now, if I'm there, I'm just saying, that's going to bother me a little bit, but I'll say, you know, it's all right. They worked, a, they worked a decent day. They worked five hours. The homeboys that showed up at four, <laughs> what do you think they got? $50. Are you kidding me? Am I the only one? I would be hacked off. Am I, I mean, that would bother me. That would bother me. That just ain't fair. Look at what Jesus says. This is awesome. Is it against the law for me to do what I want to do? With my money? Should you be jealous because I'm kind to others? So those who are last now, hello, will be first then, and those who are first will be last. Jesus, Jesus seems to say my why is to be generous, not fair. Generosity is more important than fairness. And unfortunately, this just does not feel right to us westernized Americans. 
But fairness ended in the garden. And besides, when I think about my sin, let me just go ahead and repeat myself. I don't want fairness. I want God's generosity. Am I the only one? So sometimes God's why is to be generous rather than fair. Can I hear an amen? amen? Number three, number three, number three. Sometimes his why is to restore community. Sometimes his why is to restore community. One of the most common things Christian pray, pray, Christians pray for is physical healing, right? We all have done that. I've done that a lot recently. We pray to have our health restored. We pray to have loved ones healed of cancer. We pray to have the effects of a lifetime of poor eating and a lack of exercise to be reversed. We even pray for a good night's sleep. And I think most of our prayers can be summed up in these three phrases. Come on, correct me if I'm wrong. Help me, bless me, and protect me. Oh, wow, yeah, God, do that for my loved ones too. And when we look at the way Jesus responded to requests, we tend to assume that he is all about that, that he restores sight. Yes, he does. He helps people walk. Yes, he does. He removes skin diseases. Yes, he does. And he brings people back to, from the dead. So why wouldn't Jesus just give complete physical healing all the time? It's this part about community. Dr. Mark Moore is an author and a professor and a pastor, and, and he, he writes extensively about Jesus's physical healing that we see in the Bible. And I find it to be incredibly insightful. He says this, even though Lazarus comes back to life, he'll still die again, right? He says, even though Jesus heals the woman with the issue of blood, she still will most likely have a vitamin deficiency, tooth decay, and other first century elements. You see, Jesus' why seems to be less about, yes, you asked me nicely, as I talked about that last week, remember? I asked nicely to get God to you know, uncross his arms and just be kind to me. It's less about making my life perfect and trouble-free, but it seems to be more about restoring people to authentic biblical community, which is an important word for us today, right? Because we are a culture and a society that's dying from loneliness. So keep in mind, what is the bigger why? And in closing today, I've been thinking about this moment all week. In closing today, I have to share with you what I might call a gut punch of honesty. We're gonna get raw right now. And you're gonna like it because it's gonna resonate with what you have experienced in life, but maybe no one has ever really tried to slice and dice it theologically for you. It's the hardest answer of them all for me to talk about. And yet it is so true. We see biblical precedents for it throughout the Bible and you actually have experienced this in your life, and if you haven't, hold on, you will. Sometimes, as much as we try to align with God's why, we may never know why our prayers are not answered as we had hoped. See, if I didn't cover this today, you should sue me for pastoral malpractice. Because then I'm up here just preaching a bunch of feel-good, warm, fuzzy stuff that doesn't pan out in life. 
You know people who've prayed for cancer, had church teams pray for their loved ones and they still die. I know a woman who prayed for her kid going on a senior trip and prayed for safe travels only to have them struck by head-on collision and a car full of students die. I feel you. And I've been there. Last week, a week ago, yesterday, a good-sized group of us gathered at the Colvard Farms pool right over here, and we celebrated the life of Kim Blair. Y'all remember Kim Blair? Buried her about a year ago. One of the most faithful, beautiful human beings you'll ever find. I wonder if they can throw those three things back up on the LED wall because I just wanna, I wanna show you the reality of what I'm talking about today. God's why is always to align, always to advance the kingdom of God. I know of very few people who live to advance the kingdom of God like Kim Blair. She'd sit out there on that patio and she worked in first, cause she served all over this church, but she was a, a bright light on our world changers. Some, sometimes God's why is to be generous rather than fair. You'll never find a person more generous than Kim Blair. Sometimes his why is to restore community. She, she led life groups around this church. She was all about getting people in community. Picture of help, marathon runner, faithful woman of God, stricken with ALS, the most aggressive form of it, And despite the best medical attention that the world has to offer, which is right here in the triangle area. And we prayed. And we prayed. And we wept. And we laughed. Right up to the very end. And she died. Number four, and it's the reality, the raw truth. In these instances, I have found that the only thing that helps me make sense of it all is the grand view of eternity. You gotta shore this up in your mind. If you don't learn as a Christ follower to live with the grand view of eternity in mind, You'll get so hacked off at God and the church, you'll end up walking away from the faith. Because inevitably, you will pray for something and it will not turn out as you want. And this is why Paul would say to the church in Thessalonica, we should not grieve as others do who have no hope. But church, we have hope. We are new hope, and our hope is not temporal. Our hope is eternity. Come on, our hope goes on forever. Paul would be perfectly clear that believers in Christ do not grieve over death as the rest of the world does. We hate death, right? I hate death. We recognize it as an unnatural result of sin and the fall of humanity. But we also know as Christians, death does not end the story, but the beginning of eternity and the wholeness of Almighty God. 
You, you, you can't grapple with these kinds of things without keeping eternity in the forefront of your mind. As a believer in Christ, you need to live with one foot firmly planted in this world, but one foot looking towards heaven. This is not my home. This is only temporary. There is a grand scheme of, of, of eternity in front of us. In fact, your life, and we think it's so long, and it feels long sometimes, right? 40, 50, 60, 80, 90, 100 years if you're, if you're lucky. But on the grand scheme of eternity past and eternity pr- future, well, let's just shorten it so I'll make you feel better. From the day you were born to eternity future, infinity future, watch this, your life is just a wee little bleep on the radar screen, beep. It's nothing compared to all eternity. Which is why the apostle Paul would say this in 1 Thessalonians 4, 16, for the Lord himself, thank you, Jesus, will descend from heaven with a cry of command, with the voice of an archangel and with the sound of the trumpet of God and the dead in Christ, hello, will rise first. From whence does our hope in the face of death come? Our dead brothers and sisters will rise again at the last day. In fact, Paul would say in 1 Corinthians, remember when he talks about death and resurrection, 1 Corinthians 15, 55, he says, where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? In other words, you don't have one for the believer in Christ. And this is where, come on, come on, come on. This is where so many of us go wrong. We think that if we just prayed harder, right, that our loved ones would not have died. But the problem is not our passion. Quit blaming yourself. The problem is not our lack of zeal. It all comes down to the object of our faith. And what it means to be a follower of Christ is to cling tightly, come on, with the hands that God has given you to the promises that God has given you. And those promises entail a resurrection and an eternity. There is more to this life than what we see here and now. The prophet Isaiah, way back in the Old Testament, would say this, come on out loud, Isaiah, go. For behold, I create new heavens and a new earth, and the former things shall not be remembered or come to mind. This is Isaiah 65. Now here's what's fascinating. And I guess this is your homework assignment this week. In the last two chapters of the Bible, Revelation 21 and Revelation 22, we see this new heaven and this new earth that Isaiah prophesied about so long ago, we see it in HD color. It's vivid and it is beautiful. I just wanna read just a small portion of it for you. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. Same language Isaiah used. For the first heaven and the first earth passed away and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, come on, the new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, what church? Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people and he will dwell with them. They will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. Watch this, get your your vision of this. He 
will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. Come, 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 Lord Jesus. This is not in my notes, but I just feel it. Listen, when life gets hard and you don't know if you can make it another day and the storm clouds start looming, you take and you lift your eyes to the eastern sky from whence the Bible says he shall come again. And you remember that this world is not your home. Thank God in that moment that you are feeling homesick. You are feeling homesick. This world does not satisfy. You keep your eyes pierced on the grand scheme of eternity. For when you die or he comes back, whichever happens first, you and I are going to go to a place of beauty unimaginable, Diego. We're going to go to a place where the Bible says there's streets of gold. I'm not sure if that's literal or, or, or metaphorical. I don't, but it sounds good to me, baby. No potholes. Hello. <laughs> where there will be no tears in our eyes. No pain. You know, as you get older, man, getting old stinks. Your body starts hurting a little bit. Y'all tighten everything. No pain, new bodies, new heaven, forever and ever and ever and ever. Praise his holy name. And again, just to state the obvious, I don't know what you have found, but I have found that without the view of eternity in the crosshairs of my life. Nothing makes sense. It's just one darn thing after another. But if I can start to align my life with these whys that we've talked about today and pray, pray as if it all depends upon God, work as if it all depends upon me, and those two intersect out there somewhere. And I keep my, my actions, my working aligned with the three whys that I've covered. And keep a vision of the eternity in my life. God starts to move powerfully in result and response of my prayers. And I see God do stuff that I could not imagine. And then when it doesn't go as I want it to go, I've just learned. I've learned the hard way. I don't see the whole picture here. And there's an eternity that I can't even begin to fully imagine. But God says it is so. And it is beautiful. And it is where my heart's desire lies anyway. So may we all keep our eyes fixed on his why and his eternity and we'll see our lives and after amen become something that we deeply desire. In the name of the Father and of the Son 
and of the Holy Spirit. Come on, let the church say amen. Amen. Let's pray together. Father, with our heads bowed and eyes closed, we pause for just a moment to thank you. And God, I, I pray that in the midst of thinking about eternity in the last part of this message, I pray that we don't lose sight of the first part of the message because for some reason, God, you are choosing to leave us here on planet Earth. And so I pray for every single person, God, who desires to be about your business, who desires to see their prayer lives come alive. I pray that they would join me in doing their very best to align their prayers and their lives to your why. And that is to advance your kingdom. Jesus, you tell us in the Lord's Prayer that that we should pray that your kingdom would come on earth as it is in heaven. And that happens, Lord God, when your people decide, you know what? I'm done living for self. I want to exalt the Lord. I'm done living for selfish desires. And when I do slip back into that and put myself on the throne, Lord God, I'm gonna ask that you would take me off the throne and put your son Jesus there. And that my whole life would be about exalting him. Hey, last week I asked you to do something. With heads bowed, eyes closed, I'm gonna ask you to do it again. Would you just open up your hands? Would you make this your prayer? If you feel led, just pray this after me. You don't have to do it out loud, just in your spirit. Lord Jesus, thank you for eternity. Thank you that you have given me a life to enjoy here and now. And God, I want to align my prayers and my life to your why. I want to stop living for self and I want to be about advancing your kingdom. God, I want to exalt thee. So as we stand in just a moment, Lord God, may this be more than words on a screen or words out of my mouth. May this be the heart cry of my life. May I live to exalt thee. In Jesus' name, amen, amen.